Hey, it's Naughty. And I'm the Teach, and welcome to Naughty and the Teach. This is our third episode, y'all, so we are really excited for this one. Uh, we think we have some to- a major topic that would really touch on everybody, and it can re- everybody can relate to it. Yeah, you know your favorite unfriendly black hotties are here to talk our shit. Yes, and we are going to talk that shit. So, um... We came up with our first segment title. You know, you're on this journey with us as Big we... Big ups to <laughs> us. As we tailor this podcast for you, the audience. You're great. Uh, so our first uh, topic is popping off. Yes, popping off. That is how we are going to start um, our episodes. Um, it's going to be us talking about pop culture and or current events. We basically want to talk about what's going on in our world as it's happening. So things that are relevant, we definitely want to touch on, and that is going to be our first segment, Popping Off. And um, for this first pop culture topic, uh, even a human interest story, if you, the only way you haven't heard of it is if you've been living under a rock. We are talking about Travis Scott and the Astro World Festival that happened um, on November 5th, and well, the second day got canceled. So November 5th, it was scheduled for the weekend of the 5th and the 6th. Yes, and um, tragedy happened there. Um, if you haven't heard, um, Travis Scott annually has a festival in Houston, Texas yes. called uh, Astro World. Um, his album, I think, is based off of it as well. It has a picture of his face. Yes, I don't know if it's the. The album is based off of it, or the festival is based, based off, off the, the album. album. Yeah. So either way, there's some interconnection there. But Astroworld happened, and there's a lot of controversy about how this major tragedy happened. So the tragedy is that nine people as of today passed away or lost their lives attending this festival because of a massive stampede and what seems like a lot of uh, inconsistencies with security and being able to provide a safe and a safe environment for everybody who is there. And the ages of the people who passed or have injured ranges yes, greatly. From the youngest person that the youngest person that has been reported as an injured person and is in critical condition is nine. The youngest person who has passed away is fourteen. And uh, we will be saying all of their names at a different time to give them their moment. Um, just some things um, to kind of set the stage for how Astro World looked. So it was at the NRG Stadium. That stadium in particular has a 200,000 yeah, 200, cap for uh, capacity. And at the festival, there were only 50,000 people who were there. The, the, that's, a, uh, of course, an approximation. Um, we watched some interviews from NBC as well as CNN. Um, so there was a security card, Darius Williams, who said that who was a he calls himself a concert goer, and he was obviously security. He had um, seen the the ads for Astro World and informed the security, the head of security, that he was afraid that there may be a stampede or that the security wasn't. Um, up to par with what happens in Houston normally at concerts, and all they offered him was a different post, so he decided not to go to work that day, and, you know, some people would say thankfully he made that choice. So it seems that, you know, just security and just the the involvement of Houston PD, that there could have been so much more, um, 
Is there anything you want to say before? Yeah, but to add on to uh, the Darius story is he had the forward thinking to, one, address that there was possible breaches that were happening. He spoke about a social media post that happened before that said people are basically going to storm the gates. And that was a plan for a lot of the concert goers was to just storm the gates. It was sold out. Some people wanted to attend anyway, so they were going to just use basically brute force in order to get themselves into the concert. And, uh, you know, once if you've ever been to a, a, one of these concerts, whether it's Governor's Ball, Lollapalooza, If people want to get in, they're going to get yeah. in. And then once you get in, it's not like they can find you and say, oh, this and that. Like, yeah, and they can't band. make you leave. I yeah. mean, they can, f you know, do the wristband thing, but it, while people are doing wristbands and people are just running in, they're just going to blend in with the crowd, um, and it's going to be real hard. Yeah, especially, like, um, I know at Governor's Ball, uh, me and my friends, like, I had three tickets to VIP. All we did was we had the wristbands loosed and passed them back, and people paid us for the pass back, you know? So there's definitely ways around it. Like, there's people sneaking in. I know Travis Scott posted the 2019 footage of people, uh, like, stampeding in, uh, or, like, going over the barricades. Um, for for that concert for the 2019 festival, so people already had this kind of idea, and for a lot of people, this is probably the first time that they got to go to a big event. Um, not I don't want to say post pandemic, but post lockdown. Yeah, post lockdown because pandemic's still going on. Yes, Let's pandemic is still going on. Please wear um, your mask. But to also add to it that, you know, when you have and by a lot of accounts, the security wasn't on point. The security wasn't there in numbers that's needed in order to, to really quell a rowdy crowd. And when you have those factors, people who automatically said, we're going to come in, we're going to storm the gates. And what's interesting in it, as the as it started around 2, 2 p.m.? Okay, so the, the gates were open for people to go into the festival at 2 p.m. And at 2 p.m., when, right when they opened it, people were already get, getting trampled on. Um, in the NBC footage of the gates opening, you can hear on the video you, very clearly somebody screaming, you're crushing them. Very, very clearly. So if you can hear that like on a video, they could definitely hear it at that time. And even though it was the same day, they could have, there could have been something done between 7 and 8 when the concert opened or the concert started um, for yeah. them to to do something to fix security, to call in police officers, all anything. Yeah, we're talking about a number of hours between the first acts and then this tragedy that happened many, many hours later. There just did not seem to be the right number of security and preventative measures to prevent something like this happening. And that's just, we're just only at two and seven. <laughs> we're not even at the actual tragedy that happened where you know, a bunch of people rush the stage. And it just if you just see in the video, it's just heartbreaking because you can see people asking, begging, trying to get help. They, they use various different methods. You could see all of these things happening, but in the background, you can see Travis Scott performing yeah. with what does not seem like a care in the world with the exception of stopping and saying, oh, put your middle fingers up if you're all right, or, you know. Yeah, so... Yeah, and then it was um, like on Apple Music, they had the live recording or that the live performance for people to watch. And people who are watching the live recording were saying they can hear people screaming for help. So again, if you can hear it <laughs> in a in a live like a during a performance, 
then they can hear it there. Like, uh, I, can't, I can't even and think. And there was even a chant of stop the show, stop the show. Um, there was a lot of ways. There's footage of two people climbing up to a camera well in order to really alert you know, the cameraman, and then there's, you know, security who's standing in front of them, listening to them plead and saying, hey, people are hurt, people are injured, people are possibly dying out there, and it just seems like it fell on deaf ears. Yeah, so um, I'm going to kind of get into the the events as they happen at the concert. So um, at 8.30, right, there, there was a countdown for when Travis Scott, like when his headline show was beginning, at 8.30, there was a countdown um, for his show beginning, and that's when people were reporting that the that people were rushing to the stage and that the it was so tight that they couldn't breathe at that point, but everyone was still like okay to watch the rest of the concert. There wasn't anybody being trampled, um, according to what people are saying at that time. At 9.01, yes, we are very specific on the show, 9.01 exactly, all right? Um, Travis Scott started performing on the stage. Um, 9.12, you can hear screams for help. Um, if, you, if you've watched any of the, the, news, re- the news recordings of, them, of, of it, when they show the beginning of the concert, you can hear the screams for help on there. Uh, at 9.30, someone was unconscious towards the front, like uh, by the front of the stage, so Travis took a, a pause t- um, so that he can get some help. Um, and that is also when Houston PD was alerted that there were people unconscious in the, in the concert. Um, it was after this that, con- that Travis Scott asked people to put their middle fingers up so he could know that they were okay. You know, fuck the person that was ha- getting help in the ambulance, but whatever. Then um, at 9.32, that is when the security guard first was alerted that, uh, someone, that people needed help. Um, of course, you know, he ignored it. Gotta keep filming. Um, it was at 9.38, that the concert was officially deemed a mass a mass casualty event. Um, Live Nation said that Live Nation, they were the producers of the show, said that they would um, end the concert early. Uh, there are different reports from the Houston PD. The Houston PD at first said that they spoke with the producers and that they coordinated for um, the ending of the show, like a certain ending time. But uh, as of today, November 11th, the Houston police have now said that they there was no coordination um, and that they should have ended the show right away. Uh, that Live Nation should end the show right away. So. More on that, uh, because that's completely inconsistent. Um, then it was, at, at 9.46, we have uh, Houston PD and EMS going into the pit and trying to help people. Um, at 9.54, Drake got on stage, and this is why you know he is also being sued. Just for getting on the stage, it seems. Yes, you know, performing. I mean, because when the producers tell you, go do what you are paid for, and you don't know it's a casualty, a mass casualty event, you know, what are you gonna do? Um, this is also when there was an ambulance, if you've seen the footage, there's an ambulance in, in the pit, right by the stage. Um, at this point, also, concert goers, you're assholes. Why the fuck would you get on top of an ambulance? Because they cannot move if you're on top of it. So you are just aiding in someone's death. 
that that's that. Or helping to prolong them getting the services they need if they are injured or you know possibly need medical <laughs> attention more immediately. It's just it's just a really shitty assholey thing to do. Yeah, and then at ten eleven. About a half hour after it was officially deemed a mass casualty event, the concert ended. So, yeah. Which says a lot. And we're talking about the first, it's, you know, we're talking about matter of, you know, it's critical minutes um, where people were injured, where people possibly, you know, could have gotten attention that they need. And the all I'm saying, sorry, all I'm saying is if Offset could interrupt a whole fucking Cardi B concert and get all them fucking flowers on the stage and have a whole fucking apology, they could have had someone fucking run up to Travis and say, yo, yo, it's a mass casualty event. Yo, you got to end the concert. Look. You got you gotta to end it. Or like pe like there's people getting trampled or there's people dying. Because at 932, there were, there were if, people hadn't, if people weren't dead already, there were so many people hurt that they called it a mass casualty event. So they could, somebody could have told him that, like, yo, you gotta end the concert early, that's that. Now, with that being said, we're, we're, that's more of a live nation, that's more of the concert organizer's uh, job to really go on stage. Because we can make the argument that Travis Scott, Drake, any other participant on the stage at that time didn't know. There are times in which he does acknowledge um, what's going on in the crowd. You could definitely hear it. There's he stopped the concert t like two or three times. So the argument can be made. But on the flip side of that, we then have to look at the history of Travis Scott. We have to look at the history of what's yes. happening, what he has been doing in order to help cultivate this type of mass I'm going to use the word hysteria with his concert growers because of some of the history that he has. So we're going to go back in time. Uh, there is 2015, and at Lollapalooza, um, he had paid a fine and pled guilty to, in, to encouraging people to jump over the barricades. And so that was 2015. 2017, in Arkansas, he again uh, encouraged people to rush the stage and had to pay a fine for disorderly conduct. 2019, he had to, he pled guilty for inciting a riot. So, and I think this, that was also at Astroworld. So like, you know, he, he essentially knows what he's doing. And I do want to take a moment <laughs> while we have it to, uh, even though these are facts and you can find them in their facts, we're going to throw in the word allegedly. They're allegedly not alleged for because the, he, he pled guilty. Well, I don't understand the whole legal way of going about things. But yes, that is these just are facts. Case, but just in case we may have said something around Astroworld, we're just going to throw in the word allegedly. Um, we'll spring it a little in, in there just so that way, you know, it's it's known that this is just information that we've gathered, whether through reputable news sources or the internet. The one thing I do want to mention is um, there was a tweet, and I pretty sure it's been deleted since, where Travis Scott makes mention of, um, we're still going to try to get the rowdy ones oh, in even after it's that's sold That's a deleted out. tweet. That's a deleted and tweet. And he is basically saying, hey, it's sold out. You can't buy no tickets. But if you're rowdy enough, we're going to make sure that you get in and make, make sure I have a hype show, a live show, a yeah. show that's just <laughs> off the chain. And I think that's what led to the gathering, the, the organization of let's storm the gates when they open so that way we can get in the show. And you can see the footage of people literally storming the gates and people saying people are being trampled on, people are being hurt, and, you know, they want to get in the concert to... And, they, and it seems like they kept 
this energy up. The whole time, like they did not care. But I have to say, yo, Travis Scott, I went to see Rihanna after um, uh, Anti came out. And this motherfucker wanted everybody in Brooklyn to be arrested. Anti I think it's anti. I say anti. I, I don't know. it's anti. It's that West Indian in me, I guess. I guess. I'm West Indian, too, and I say... Yeah, yeah. You're right, you're right. Respect on my name. Apologies. Um, yeah. Exactly. PR is in the West Indies. <laughs> I'm also Jamaican. Oh. Oh. So yeah. you're just as bad as being Jamaican. But I'm a Gemini, so that makes I'm me even Scorpio. worse. I'm a Scorpio. Oh. I got so. the... Sorry. I got... I'm an angry black woman. Um, oh, spicy Latina. Yeah, you, oh, no, but I'm Afro-Latina, so I don't know if that's still, still spicy. It depends on who you talk to. And then... Um, you know, I'm a Scorpio, but that don't mean I want to fuck all y'all. Just a few. Oh, wait till we talk about dating. <laughs> um, the the guy really gonna be tight. Um, but anyways, oh fuck, what was I saying? You were talking about. <laughs> See, I'm distracted. <laughs> See, this he, was tried, he tried to feedback. tell me. He tried to tell me I wasn't so fucking with him. Instead of just oh, making so. the correction, she had to just go in on me. And you see, that's why she no, lost me. her train of thought. No, because you're talking about being a Gemini and shit. See, look. So he, hold on. So wait. It's the two, no, not the, two the fact faces. that you had to correct me. It's the fact because, that but I, I am Jamaican. And just, you tried to be spicy talking about, oh yeah, Puerto Ricans and the West Indies. It I, is, I, but I I'm did. also Jamaican. I was making a correction. Yeah, no, but you're trying to be, it's the way you said it. I do want to say. I really wish there was a fucking camera and y'all could see his face in a spicy attitude. That is totally not true. She is totally making this up. So I just want to say, she said it was about the Gemini and she just saw black as soon as I mentioned the word Gemini, like most people do. They automatically just assume, they think of the worst Gemini they ever met and and that applies to all Gemini. I actually like Gemini, so I don't know. That's an insecurity maybe you have about your two-faced You literally just said, I said something about Gemini. Because I'm saying that's what put us off track is when I talked about being a Scorpio. Because you blacked as soon as you heard the word Gemini. That's literally what I'm saying. I guess. Whatever. So sorry. Anyways, so Travis Scott was trying to get everybody arrested in Brooklyn. And talking about everybody pull out your weed. This is before weed was legal, even recreationally. And he's talking about everybody pull your weed out, pull your blunts out, pull your molly out. Fuck you mean pulling. People were really pulling out prescription drugs. And I'm like, what? where the fuck am I? You know, and this was at, um, what is it called? Atlantic uh, Center? The, uh, the Brooklyn Nets Stadium. I don't know what that one is called. Barclays. That, oh, at the Barclays. I thought you... I thought you meant like the name of the festival or whatever. No, it was, it was just like the Barclays. Tour. It was the anti tour. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, I get you. And listen. And still, and people, and but when he and when he did that, people like just started doing drugs. Other, because I mean, like we don't get you hype, but people were doing drugs, and but people got hype off that kind of energy because then he, because you know he his concerts, it, even though he was the opener, not the headliner, he had people moshing. And mind you, my section was because you know it's a. Uh, a basketball stadium. It was one of those that where it's like the they're the almost they're like pre nosebleeds, so it has its own little special like glass section. I'm like, not y'all motherfuckers moshing. Like this is not the spot because if you fall, you fall. I'm I'm just surprised a bunch of people of color were moshing because that normally doesn't end well. Not at but all. But I do want to say at all. real quick about the drug use at concerts. I. I, don't, I, I have never been to a concert where people are just not smoking or oh. doing drugs or like the drug use is there. And I see the security. So I don't know if it's me or maybe because I forever fit a description. 
So yeah. my appearance just automatically brings attention, brings police oh. presence. So every time people are doing something illegal, the shit is just amazing to me. I'm like, <laughs> how in the fuck like, are y'all you, doing this? How are you getting away with this? Also, can are we just talk about pre pandemic um, cause y'all was at governor's ball passing around, <laughs> passing around blunts. Like it was a okay. Just smoking off of any old body. And I seen y'all at gov ball. I seen y'all at Chattis Gambino. I seen y'all at Drake passing around blunts. And I'm not even going to lie. When me and my friends, we went out to see Drake. We were underage and we were definitely like stealing wristbands and picking up people's cups. Pre pandemic. That's disgusting. That's disgusting. That and is I would, definitely a young And I would thing. never do that shit again. Like, but bro, pre pandemic, we were actually wild. Like for real, just touching everything and doing whatever. Yeah. So when we talk about Travis Scott and his history and the fact that he has been in touch and has been constantly egging on his audience to be this way, um, to mosh, to storm the gates, to get all the rowdy ones in. This and then you add to the fact that you have a venue that's basically Travis Scott led. You have all his fans. You also have the uh, lack of security, lack of police presence to accurate, um, adequately control the crowd. All of these seems recipes for disaster, which has led to security guards the morning of looking around this shit and saying, fuck this shit. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be a part of it and quitting even before the concert started the morning of, because they can see with their lack of real security experience to still be able to oh, yeah, identify they, they need a and customer say, service experience. And even to identify and say, shit, I don't have a lot of uh, uh, expertise in this field, but I can see that this is going to be a fucking shit show and quit. And for nobody from any of the parties involved to say, okay, this is a dangerous situation. We either have to shore off our lines to make sure that we have enough um, uh, personnel to support this or take steps so that way this doesn't happen. This seems like everybody's culpable for the failure yes. and the deaths of these nine people. Hopefully that's the end of it, but nine people yeah. and possibly counting. And it's also unfortunate because, like, with Astroworld, uh, Travis Scott does give back to his community. He opened uh, or he helped a school open a community garden. But then even with that being said, is that like an elementary school? So even with that being said, you're going into the community and you're going where there's, like, young children. And those are going to be the people who you are directly impacting. And those are going to be the people who are at your concert, which is why now we see that there's so many young people who, who were hurt. You know, because he advertised it as something. He's a Houston boy, and he's giving, and he's like he's coming back home, and the like, and he's going into the community. So it's like those are the people who are going to be there. I feel like maybe you should have thought about that as well. Like who all was going to be there? The cookout. Just uh, a throwback to the last episode. Yeah. Um, one thing I do want to say is there's something that stood out to us. Um, two major things. One was just some internal documents that came to where they mentioned Smurfs. And um, I, I don't really know how to comprehend this, but one of the things that they said was that they would refer to dead people as Smurfs. Oh, because they were blue. Yeah. That is so fucked I'm up. I'm not sure why. Um, sometimes in these types of situations, if you look at it from the other perspective, you can't just say people are dead or say dead or deceased in a crowd of 50,000 plus people because the panic may come. 
But Smurfs, uh, if it's because they were blue and they were dead, that is... That does Ooh. make sense, though, that... But if anybody who has knowledge of uh, working these scale of events, um, maybe you might have some, some, uh, some understanding and be able to justify that a little bit but for us so we can get some clarity. But there could be like a numeric code. You know, Smurfs is like, if I mean, it's because 187, everybody knows that. Uh, if you don't know 187, then you just learn that 187 stands for murder. You know, murder so. was the case. But, um, but before we get to con- conspiracy theories and set something that's a little bit lighter, I'm just going to, to my, in the best I can, say the names of the people who passed, and I'm going to say them in age order. Uh, there was 14-year-old John Hilgert, 16-year-old Brianna Rodriguez, 20-year-old Jacob Jernick, uh, 21-year-old Axel Acosta, um, 21-year-old Franco Patino, 22-year-old Barty Shahani, uh, 23-year-old Rodolfo Pena, and 27-year-old Danish or Danish um, Bayeg. Uh, that's the moment that they so gratefully deserve. May they rest in power. Um, to take to to cap off this astral world tragedy. Um, we just want to talk about something that has been popping up in the internet, and if you have been paying attention um, to us, it's just plain old weird. I don't know how else to put like it. The, I feel like too is about the conspiracy theories. In some ways, you're like, you're like this makes sense, especially because it's talking about like things in a very spiritual sense, and you're like maybe like maybe this is a thing, and especially when you have uh, like. Um, when you have conspiracy theories about Hollywood and about how in Hollywood people are like selling their children for their fame and maybe Travis Scott like um, made a venue for these people to die so that he didn't have to give up Kylie or his children, you're like, you're like maybe there's some some truth to this. Really, only I'm because sure Kylie wouldn't be giving up in that situation because she um, would be in the same situation as Travis Scott as somebody who they would be coming for no, offerings or sacrifices. She had a she like had a Playboy deal. For when for when she was like, I want to say a, like a maybe between eleven and thirteen. Her mom, her mom deal. signed a Playboy deal for when she turned like eighteen, but you, but uh, to my knowledge, it never happened. So that's the thing. So like because you're sell, you're, you sold your you literally sold your child's body before they. It, We're gonna say allegedly for that. Uh, allegedly, yes. Yeah, allegedly. So then it's like, but it it didn't it didn't happen. So. Okay, so now you you These are all conspiracy theories, by yes, the way. So they already theories. come with an allegedly. And then you know, Kanye West also talked about he didn't want North to be sold. So you're like, I we know that you know the, his mental state is rocky. So how how much do you take into consideration with that? But also, I also feel that with these conspiracy theories, because so many people died, and so are or, or not so many people, but so many people got hurt, and people died, and children died, people got hurt. I'm like. Are you, is it just insensitive that you're even sharing this with the world? Because like, to say, oh, well, you know, everybody should have known when they were entering into the concert. Travis Scott had a skull at the front. He had his mouth open. Uh, even even the shirts had that had portals on them. Those people should have known. And <laughs> the people on the ambulance, the people on the ambulance were stopping the people from getting help because they know that Travis Scott needed eight souls. But now more people have passed. Yeah, so, so like, I come on. Know. So one thing I do want to say, as I saw, is that 
in the research of this topic, <laughs> there's this theory that uh, there's eight flames that are shooting out of the stage, and in the background there's a, a portal that that's supposed to take you to the other side. I don't know if it's Satanism or satanic worship. I don't know what the theories were, but that was the thing. Yeah, they but didn't now, go into if it was the, the ones I saw. They weren't like specifically satanic. It was just like he was trying to take these souls for his own well-being. But where do these souls go? They go. He just say, "Hey, I killed uh, eight people. Got killed." No, I, a- I think that the way that I think the way it would work um, would be that it doesn't have to be like the devil, but it can be any uh, or even a demon. It can be any spirit that he's saying, like, "I, I, I need X, Y, and Z. How do I give you this payment?" So and they're making literal deals with the devil is what I'm hearing? It doesn't have to be the devil. It's a deal with somebody. So it's, a, it's possibly a human being. No, it's a, a spirit. Uh, it doesn't have to be the, the devil because there's other demons. I get that. And then there's that. also, but there's also, um, I guess you would say good spirits that might also ask for souls. I mean, I'm glad I live a simple life <laughs> where <laughs> demon <laughs> sacrifices isn't part of it or having to feel like I have to owe That's because uh, he's being sacrificed. Some entity to whatever. And um, one of the things that I do want to say is in, this, in these conspiracy theories is that it just seems so... Everything, every celebrity, you know, we've been hearing about the Illuminati, which may or may not exist. We've been hearing about um, celebrities having to sacrifice or submit their children, their kin, their offspring in order to satiate whatever executives, forms of people in power, whatever the case may be. We all know, and we also don't know because nobody's stepping up and saying, hey, this is what's happening. Um, this is That's not true because people have been... Well, that's what I was going to get to next. One of the things is every time that somebody has come out, they're painted as this absolutely crazy, insane person who they do everything they can to discredit them. There's, um, you know, some theories of people being killed, being murdered, um, you know, because of them trying to speak out against the Hollywood machine. The only thing we want to focus on at this moment is just the conspiracy theories for Astroworld and Travis Scott and his shirt possibly saying, hey, we're going to go to a do this portal and then the yeah. stage so presence is supposed to be the eight flames are supposed to represent the eight. I wonder what happens if four people died with four flames of shot. What happens if 15 people died with there going to be 15 flames? These, it's like watching a movie. And you watch mm-hmm. a movie and everything just happens at the exact times. And you always what wonders what would happen with the timing. Like when they have a bank house. What happens if somebody had to go take a shit? Like right then, it's like, oh. And then they're delayed three or four minutes. Would everything happen in the exact way that it it was played out on the on the screen so that's what i always wonder and that's why conspiracy theories are so hard to pin out for you to say i have to sacrifice eight souls and know that eight people are going to get trampled to death at that time that's that's a that's a lot of forward thinking yeah that's all i really got to say about that anything you want to add about the conspiracy theories i just i don't know i feel like you like when like when this all was first coming out and especially the rabbit hole of research I had to do I'm like hmm is 
is it a thing? I don't, I don't know. But then at the same time, it's like, okay, but now more people are passing away. So <laughs> where's the updated theory? Where are you going to point out some other thing that tells me why it's the ninth person? It's like, tell me, I, that's, you know, that's what you're waiting for, I yeah. guess. Yeah, so uh, it's a tragedy, uh, rest in power. Uh, we really hope a speedy recovery. Also, oh. I'm sorry, Travis Scott's apology, before we just end the topic, his bullshit apology, where he's like, no, I can't even, I can't even, I can't even imagine. Like, it would have been better just not, just not saying anything. Speaking almost. of bullshit performances to show remorse, I just want to quickly mention this. Uh, we chose not to really talk about the Ahmaud Arbery trial mm -hmm. or the Kyle Rittenhouse, Rittenhouse trials as well, but I do want to mention the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, tears on the stage when he talks about killing two people in cold blood. Um, if you have not seen it, all I'm saying is just take some time, look at this performance that is going on as he is being remorseful. But I do want to just bookend that before we go on to our main topic with while you know, people say, oh, you know, he's a boy who killed two people. Yes, that's true. However, there is a lot of footage of him celebrating, you know, as he's talking to other people about make killing these people. And it's people within his circle, the, um, the people who do the hand signal, I can't remember what they're called. Um, he seems very happy, very giddy, very joyful, uh, and, be, and was treated as a hero within those circles. But when he got on that stage and the way that he cried was just... It was a performance, and that's all I just wanted to say as we talk about performances of showing pity or remorse. All right, so that's for Astroworld, and that is our very first popping off. So I now we're going like to move it. to our very, very next sex, um, um, segment, which is our main topic, and we're going to call this Digging Deep. So, Naughty, what are we digging deep in? We are digging into friendships. <laughs> It's the way it came, and I'm like, what are we digging deep in? I mean, and also, it's also like the naughty. It's like, mm, yeah, whole what are lot we digging things. deep in, naughty? Exactly. That's what I want to hear all the time. Um, <laughs> but anyways, today we're talking about <laughs> we're digging deep into friendships. Yes. And uh, who our friends are, how we make them, where we make them, when we make them, like time, age, all that cool stuff. Maybe we'll even get a story or two. Yeah. So, uh. Friendships. Well, first thing we really want to think about is where and how do we make. For, even before that, let's let's talk about what a friend is. A friend is somebody that you consider a comrade, somebody you consider, somebody you could do activities with, hang out with, and there are levels of friendships. But we're not just talking about like the dictionary definition of a friend. We're talking about all the iterations of friends. We're talking about friends that you've had for lifelong friends. We're talking about possible work friends or coworkers. We're talking about family. Are they friends? We're mm. talking about people you dated. Can they be your friend as well? So we're looking at all the iterations of friendship. So when we look at it, where and how do we make friends? We mostly make friends with the people who are around us, whether it's at school, whether it's at work, whether it's somebody who lives in your neighborhood or your community, that's where we make friends. Or we make friends with people who may have a common interest. Because of the technology that we have today, you can have a friend in California because you play an online video game yeah. or you're part of a mom group or some type of group on Meta. <laughs> or like, <laughs> Sorry, you know, it just sounds weird when I say it now, Meta. I mean, it's not as popular now, but like you even like on Tumblr, you might like 
be a mutual follow and then or I mean even I guess Instagram too you might be a mutual follow and then you see that you and that person have a lot of things again in, in, in common and then you can actually meet up if you know you're in the same area things like that so understanding that you can have friends in many different circles many different forms through many different mediums does the friends does where you make your friends determine the type of friendship you have and create so Naughty, if you would look at your friends where you make your friends, do you think that you have close friends that you might have met during the Tumblr days or on through technology or what? Um, I definitely have a few. Well, we're not as close anymore, but I have made a few. I have made a few friends through Tumblr, and um, like we follow each other, like still on Instagram and Facebook, and we keep in touch. It's just we 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 don't talk as like every day like we used to. Now we have like jobs and kids and just different Which lives. Which we're also going to talk about how <laughs> you know? friendships change as we age in different life experiences. But uh, most of my most of my long-term friends I've met through like just going to school or our parents being friends. Uh, I'm going to keep it real. Anybody I've met online in some way or maybe we have a mutual passion, a mutual interest in something, uh, we're friendly, but I wouldn't really consider them friends. The only common thread, and even when you meet them and you're like, wow, we have a lot in common, the only common thread to me at the end of the day is that I met you doing this activity online or, or whatever the case may be. And I never really take it as seriously, and maybe that's just my own shortcomings of trying to you know, be open mm. in who I have as friends, but I don't... We are friendly. I, I, I just want to say, like, with, with Tumblr in particular, um, I think, like, it... With, with making those friends was different because it, like, it's a blog where, like, you're continuously posting, like, your personal thoughts and your push personal feelings and desires. It that That was a social media where it was similar to TikTok where you can... Uh, there you can really be yourself and there really wasn't a facade you know you you would post the worst at the worst you would like so like when you made friends with people they kind of knew already all of like your like your dark secrets or like they saw like your quote-unquote dark side so when you finally made that bond it was like you kind of already knew these people and so we had a lot of and people who other people I know who made friends through tumblr like the conversations there was no small talk it was deep deep conversation so now like you know so that when we became friends it was like oh it was like a real friendship even though it was only online and then it was like a real like a support group of a whole bunch of traumatized people and then you know as we got older and like things changed it's like oh you know you still keep in touch and it you, the the check-ins are real. Like if you have if you have a long distance friend, the check-ins are like that. Where it might just it might be once a month, every couple months, but you know they're real because the bond is deep. Yeah, um, and I, I think depending on how deep the topic or you know the thing that connects you would really will really uh, help you determine where that friend may place in your life. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I played an online video game and I've met some people because we lived in the same city and I was mm -hmm. going out and I was like, hey, I'm going out and I'm doing this or, you know, I'm catching my friend who's DJing, let's go check this out. And I've met them and they were cool. We had a good time, but I've never really like, was like, oh, that's my friend. We're going to yeah. hang out all the time. I mean, we may do stuff together at times, but it's not that. And I think that, you know, depending on, for me, where I met my friends um, changed it. But one thing I do want to say is where we are every day is our, at work. And your coworkers 
Are your coworkers your friend or are they just somebody you work with? For me, no, that's not the case. My coworkers weren't my friends. Um, did you always know that or did you have I to I didn't find always it out? know that. Um, I think it was something that I had to actually see because you, you start to realize who you have in your life. You start to realize what, you know, you can be friendly with your coworkers, but your coworkers and your coworkers can be friendly to you. But at the end of the day, when shit gets tight, their jobs are more important than you. And I yeah. get that. Don't get me wrong. But if you, one thing we, we want to consider from a friend is somebody who's going to be there to support you day in and day out. You know, that's what you expect from a friend in times of need you know you can at least rely on them on some level. You know, some are more capable than others to helping you or helping themselves or just helping the situation better. Um, you know, some, you know, have their own struggles and, you know, we are welcome to, you know, be understanding to that. But you don't want <laughs> some people to turn on you. Or not only that, just completely take a different side on you while you are trying to... Uh, you know, navigate some, some treacherous waters. I do think, though, that your coworkers can be your friends, but it depends on where you are working. If you're working, like, corporate or you're in a, a place where the, the people are not having jobs, they're in careers, that's one thing because you're not going to – those are the kind of jobs, like, you know, it's like your last job or your long-term job. And it can be very cutthroat. You know, it, yeah, exactly. But when I worked at Starbucks, at the Bucks, it was like – it was like everybody was like, yeah, no, fuck it, because you you like you made friends with your coworkers and you got close. And like I know, like we used to all like there were there was a group of us that like, we used to always go out, we used to hang out, you know, um, like we used to actually have like talk, chill, like have deep conversation. And when it came to work, it would be like, yo, like I I need this kind of coverage. Can you help me? And it was like you, know, it was like a real, it was like a, it was a work family, an actual work family. But it it came genuinely from the people you were working with. It wasn't like the manager was like, we're a work family, so we need everybody to do extra work. It was like, nah. And I want to add to that, that I think your coworkers also can be your friends if you're all going through the same shit. If you all have mm -hmm. the same complaints and nobody's treated differently, it's like, okay, you all are rallying against a common enemy. And that's normally, and you know, that could be your boss, that could be, you know, administration or the higher ups of whatever job profession that you have. When you're all having the same work experience, you all bond over that. Oh, I hate this job. This that's shit a sucks. Fact. That is oh, a fact. We have a customer that comes in and they're just an asshole. And you can all look at each other and be like, ah, mm -hmm. here, there they are. It's that bitch. It's the, yeah. it's the one. It's the one. And it's oh. like you all look at each other and you're like, who going to help her? Because you all have that common bond of that. But when work, when people are treated favorably or somebody's going through some shit and, you know, you can't really support them or you don't really want to support them or whatever the case may be, that's where the friendships, you then look at it as like, is this my friend or is it somebody that we just, because we share close proximity, are we just coworkers? Can, can I tell a quick story? Yeah. So at the Bucks, I won't say any names, but um, there was a shift supervisor who got fired, and he still had keys to the safe. So when that man came to the store and went into the safe to take money, didn't nobody stop that man because it was like, mm, 
no one's gonna fight you. And it was like, it was like, it was like whatever. It was like he's gonna do what he's gonna do. Fuck this place. It's okay. But then when we realized he took tips, it was like, no, this nigga did not just take our fucking tips. He could have took all the fucking Brinks money in the world, but the tips you already took like 10, 15k. You did not need our fucking tips, yo. And when I tell you, it was like we they had to they like. We had to like have a store meeting about it, and we were like, "But are we getting the tips back though? At least because you know part of the tips were um, like f- from the app." So I'm like, "You have a record of those tips. Can we get those tips at least?" And they, they said, "No." We Did were he like, just clear out the, the safe and not he understand? Took, them, them bags are fucking heavy. The Brinks bags are Brinks bags. Okay, so he took what he could, and then he took the tips. And I'm like, he was a spiteful motherfucker because didn't nobody like him. Fuck you. I, you lucky I can't say your name on this mic. You, she will not say his name on this mic because we're not. We don't want that type of smoke. I ju- exactly. That's why I'm. If I could, I would. But Give to a personal fuck. add on to it a little bit. Um, but that's what I mean when it's like you know we had a or what what the teacher was saying when it was like when there's a common bond it's like you you kind of you stick together and which is very different when you're in a in a career job where it's like I need to focus on me and my path and we can be friendly but or we can we can even be like acquaintances but I'm not gonna put you over my job you know it's I I have to be on the straight and narrow to get can, to get to my goals. Yeah. Very different. So let's talk about another group of people that you are, you know, with a lot or you're stuck with is your family. Can your family be friends? Um, I'm going to start off. Um, I'm not that close to most of my family, with the exception of a couple, and that's because we have common interests. We share a bond. We just similar to the work situation, mm-hmm. we share a bond to where we see things very similarly, we understand things very similarly. That doesn't mean every family member is going to feel that way or different. Also, I think um, the generational divide changes things. Um, when you have somebody who's way older, you can still be with them, but then you know, as you grow and you progress and you want to make progress in your life and they're in an old world way of thinking, it really makes it hard for you to say, okay, this is my friend. And I, I think we all love our family for the most part. We all care about our family for the most part, but considering them friends is like somebody you would, you would hang out with or you would call them to be a part of a gathering when you are hanging out with other people or going out with them or, or doing those types of things. Family, you should be able to call and get emotional support, get some advice, whatever it might be. But I'm not talking about that aspect because that kind of comes with <laughs> the word of being family, but I'm talking about the aspect of would you invite them and consider to do things with them the same way you would do with some of the people you actually would consider friends? My mama told me all my fucking life that she is not my friend. So that's that. The, she told me we're not friends from the from the jump. So she can't be my friend. Uh, my parents are a unit. They cannot be my friends. Okay. Um, I'm the youngest sibling. I'm the youngest cousin on my father's side and on my mom's side. Most of them are like most of my cousins are yeah are almost my mother's age. So friends we cannot be that that's that um you know i have two siblings oh, i'm sorry i have three siblings uh who are 21 14 and 7 years older than me 14 years that's a that's a big difference and there's really not much to talk about uh 
same thing with uh, my brother who is 20, I mean, who is 14 years older than me. I mean, we could talk about movies, we could talk about books, but at the same time, like, if I haven't seen it, like, we like different types of movies and we like different types of books. So sometimes he'll give me a book and we can talk about that, but I wouldn't really say that we're friends. Um, and then I have my sister who I grew up with, uh, but we lived in the same house together until I was like 12 or 13. Um, and I wouldn't say that we're friends. I would say that, you know, like we're sisters. If I, if I need her, I could count on her, but we also like different things. So I, we would, we go out to, we like to go out to different places. So you I'm know. 27 years older than you. You're not. You're 27 years older than me? I am. I'm like 60-something. Oh, okay. Yeah. 60-something. That's You could tell I'm telling the truth, because I'm like, I'm 60-something years old. Mm-hmm. What, what, how do you justify that because of the age? I mean, I think it's, we, we do have things in common, though. We have common interests. I think that's how we became, like, closer friends, because it was like, oh, you like this? I like this, too. Also, how many people want to watch Cop Rock? Just, like... I mean, I want to watch Matlock, and I love Matlock. I said Caprock. Matlock too. I don't. I, I remember Matlock being an old is, show. Is that this with the guy? With I the have mustache? no idea how he looks. No, I just know Matlock. Tom Selleck. No, I'm t- I was thinking about maybe Magnum PI. Oh, that's the Tom Selleck. No, that's him. I don't know. I just know Bert white Reynolds? man with the stash. Burt Reynolds is the guy from The Longest Yard. Yes. I also want to watch MASH, but he kind of shot that down. I want to watch MASH. MASH is like 40 So it was one of, of the greatest shows in America. I wonder I why. I wonder if there's black people. That's a reason to watch it, to count the black people. I've counted. Well, I do I know. tried to I, watch Friends and count the black people. I got like to. four. There were six. Six. Ooh. Like, and I only, but I only got like halfway through. It, I had to stop. I was like, this is really depressing because you're for real searching for them black people. And uh, three of the black people I saw, I don't know if it was a Soul Train episode, but they were at that dance party. Oh, well. So I feel like that's fucked up. I mean, up. you know. They shouldn't be all the black people right there. I guess they were like, let's play to their strengths. <laughs> <laughs> um, l- real quick so we can get off this diversion. I, I did want to say <laughs> shout out to Aisha Tyler. Um, if you don't know who Aisha Tyler is, Aisha Tyler is one of the greatest comedians. She has been putting in work. She uh, was on Friends. Um, if she you was watch Joey's Friends, girlfriend, right? Uh, uh, sure. The Italian, he's almost black. Give him the black girl. Why not? That's what they said in the writer's room. Guarantee it. Allegedly. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, my brain <laughs> just kind of exploded for a second when she said that. But back to what we were talking about here. So Aisha Tyler is a generational talent. She, uh, you know, she's been on a lot of things. She's been putting in that work. She also, I think, currently still plays uh, the character Lana on Archer, if you've never seen Archer. So that's definitely, just wanted to give a quick shout out to Aisha Tyler, who is one of the unsung, underrated comedians of our time. She's not even in, she's not even in a black movie. That's how you know she's unsung. Oof, oof. Um, so, all right, so we were talking about our friends, our family as friends. So, I also have to say, sorry, just to go back to that, they're the saying blood is thicker than water. The fact that your family members had to change that saying for you to think that they are more important maybe says that they cannot be your friends because the entire saying is um, blood of the covenant is thicker than water of the womb, which means that the people who you choose to be in your life can be closer to you than the people who you were born born to be close with. Well, I think that there's always that argument of family. 
is your family more important from the blood or the people you choose to be family? And thinking about this, because we're coming up to the holiday season. Mm -hmm. And when I say the holiday season, I mean that time in which people eat dinner with their families. Um, I don't want to call it Thanksgiving, because, I mean, I guess, <sighs> because of the history of it, it's, mm -hmm. it's really hard to, to, to commemorate this. Look it up if you don't know <laughs> this holiday and really it's He's beginnings. talking about the, the last Thursday, third Thursday of November? Last, last Thursday. Thursday of last November. Last Thursday of November. Uh, but it's a time in which people get together, and this is undeniable, and with their family, people travel far, they travel wide, just to be there, to have this big feast with their families. You know, it's good to see everybody and, and everything. But there, the argument is, and then the, in the last couple of years, not the last couple of years, maybe like the last couple of decades, Friendsgiving has been a really big thing in which you get together with your m new makeshift family, the family that you choose to be in your life that are important to you, the ones that you probably could possibly see more if you live in a new city, a new state, a mm -hmm. new country. Um, so Friendsgiving has also been a really big thing. And th there's a lot of discussion on what's more important. Is it the people you choose to be in your life, to be like that family type unit, or the people you were born into that you may disagree with, that may divorce you because of your sexual preference, because of what you like, or because of who you date? Do you date outside your race? Do you date outside your religion? Are they going to cut you off? So these are many, many factors that, because you're not gonna obviously have somebody you choose to be in your life that's going to be against who you love, who you wanna be with, who you, how you identify yourself. But that's something that we'll, we'll make mention of, we'll possibly touch base on that aspect um, in a future episode. But I do, I do think it's um, part of that is if you just say, I have to do this because they're family, and that's one way that people think, or if you say like, I get that we're family, but I am not choosing you. And those are, that's two different ways of thinking. So, uh, like you, like you were saying, you're not close to all of your family, but you choose certain family members. So some people would just say they're all my family. I have to help them, you know. So there's those two different ways of thinking. So one of the major things that we expect from from friends is loyalty. Should loyalty be expected on a friendship level? Should loyalties be expected from coworkers at work? Uh, mm -hmm. I think that's a little bit more sticky. So let's just stick to the should loyalty be expected from friends? I think there's a certain level of loyalty. Like I, I view loyalty as someone who is going to not be blunt because I feel like being blunt is not necessarily the right way to do things, but someone who's going to be honest with you. Someone who's going to say like, I think this is what you need or listen, like you're, you, are you okay? Cause like you're bugging out, like to really tell you about yourself and and to give you the honest feedback that you need to grow as a person. I don't think that loyalty, or, and even to, to tell you that you're wrong. That I get people don't like to, t like not, not necessarily, people say like, oh, I won't tell you you're wrong in public, but I'll pull you to the side and tell you. Either way, you're telling them that they're wrong, and that's important, and I think that is something that is necessary in friendship. And I definitely think that you have to tell your friends when they're wrong. But you also, as a friend, you have to learn to take responsibility for your own actions. It shouldn't have to be that the only time you really reflect on you and yourself and the actions that you do is when somebody checks you. Yes, no, there you, everybody is accountable for themselves, but there are always going to be things that we don't see and don't realize. And, and I get that. And that's what I'm trying to address is that also we should be more mindful of who we are in our friendships. 
And being more mindful in our friendships means we are taking more responsibility for our actions. If we are only waiting for our friends to call us out or our friends to have to check us or just be like, hey, what you did was unsavory, that's you know that's you not doing the work for yourself to really maintain yourself at the friendship. Nobody wants to be in a friendship where you always have to check somebody. That is true. So that's why it's important that we check ourselves. But another we check an, ourselves. An, yeah, we have to. But another thing is, not only do we want to check ourselves, we also want to make sure. <laughs> <I'm> sorry, <laughs> I almost fell out my chair. Uh, that's that's not funny, but you know, um, I forgot. Now I forgot where I was going with it. I think um, so. Okay, we talk, are we going to go into coworkers and are coworkers being loyal? Uh, I no. think coworkers being loyal is is hard because in the workspace, people are really trying to do what they can to maintain their own job. Um, I'm sorry. Oh, what are you talking about? Because you have to be on time to be loyal to your coworkers. You need to be. You, oh. you know, there's some accountability. Uh, that was me and my. Think, uh, that was my corporate voice. I think that's the accountability uh, part, but I think that. Is, is the accountability more to you or to the company? What happens if you work for a shitty company? Should you be account- Yes, you should be accountable for your job, don't get me wrong, but I, I don't know about the loyalty aspect. But of, not for the lie, if someone's some more th- thinking if about that. Working for someone who worked behind the line, like if someone, and I get it, we're all late sometimes, but there'll be people who were legitimately, legitimately come like an hour late, two hours late, and it's like, you know, like, because you didn't say anything, because you didn't ask for help, like, everybody else's break gets delayed, or you were supposed to come in two hours ago, we still had to relieve this person, so now we're super short-staffed, so, like, the communicate, the, the loyalty of, or, not loyalty, but, like, the idea of, like, communication so that everybody else that you work with can function it, in that kind of sense is, is important, because if you don't say anything, now we got angry motherfuckers behind the line and then we got angry customers talking about they want to kill us because we don't got their coffee. Yeah. Oh, damn. That You got some Starbucks war stories. Shit. If you've ever <laughs> been in a fucking green apron, you know what them shackles are fucking like. Oof. Damn. That shit. Yo. Yo. I, someone tried to throw hot coffee at my face. Now you know what face is a money maker. We don't need that kind of energy at any time in, of life. I mean, nobody should have anything thrown at them in any job that they do because a customer's unhappy with something. But that's also, you know, <laughs> just imagine you're the friend having to check that person. Be like, <laughs> yo, you can't fucking throw coffee on people. And they're like, that what? I don't, I don't understand. It's too much of a responsibility on a friendship. Um, the one thing I do want to move into is the spiciest of friendships. What is friendships that? Friendships and dating. Oh, if you can be oh. friends with people you dated? Can you be friends with your exes? Or friends with people you slept with? Or friends with people that you date? But before we get into that, <laughs> that's going to be... <laughs> I, I, I see your face. You got some shit that you want to say. But I do want to start off by asking you, how does people maintain friendships while they're in relationships? Because this is where it gets hard. When you move in with somebody or you get a new relationship, time gets put more into that relationship while your other friendships have to understand like okay they're in this relationship they're going to spend a lot of time I'll see them here and there and then it starts to change when they have kids then you see them less how does one maintain um, those types of friendships when they're in relationships 
Um, well, I've been in horrible relationships, so I lost a lot of friends. So I can't really talk on, I can't necessarily speak a lot because um, I, I, looking back in hindsight, I was manipulated a lot to, to let go of a lot of the good friends I had. Um, but the few friends I was able to keep, I think, um, like you just, I mean, I know sometimes I would go on double dates and it'd be like, you play video games. Like we would go on a double date, then it'd be like, you play video games with him and I'm going to talk to her. And that, that's that. Or, um, so it's like you forced a play date. Were you actually, you sounds like you were babysitting. No, I mean, after we date, after we went on a date, then it'd be like, go play the game and I'm going to go talk to my friend. So then it would be like, you're not sitting there bored while I continue my two hour conversation, you you know? And then, um, or it'd be like, I would be like at this time and day, I'm going with my friends so we can't do anything. Like I would plan time for them or plan a FaceTime, things like that. Cause I have friends who are long distance. I could say I've been kind of lucky in that regard. Um, the people I have been in relationships with have never been restrictive of me hanging out with friends, male or female. As long as you, you communicate with them mm-hmm. and you say, you know, like, hey, this is my friend. This is how we know each other. Just, you know, give be transparent as possible. Yeah. They've been open. You know, you introduce them once they get to know them as well. It opens it up a little bit more. Uh, you know, and depending on the time where people are, some people may be far, some people may be close, some people may be more available to hang out yeah. and to meet your significant other. It, it, it really does help. But I, I have been lucky to where the relationships I've been been like, okay, you have your own set of people. You have your own life before I came into yours. You, yeah. I want you to maintain that, but also let's build this life together uh, between us. I do think that, though, that there needs to be a grace period, like especially like when uh, like your friend's relationship is transitioning to like casually dating to seriously dating and then in that seriously dating to then like moving in together like you have to give them time because they're now adjusting to this new life you know of sharing a space and you know so what is needed to maintain these close close friendships when you're dating somebody I think like there has to be like a level of understanding like oh first uh, I feel like a lot of people (laughs) kind of they're like I want to spend time with my friend now so like they don't even under, like there's like a, a, some kind of like resentment if your friend can't answer right away, but th- they can't answer right now, and that's okay. Yeah, I, I know what you mean because when you can't respond to a text when somebody's free, like if they just have a, a limited amount of time and they're trying to reach out to you and you're busy or you can't respond to them or you're doing something, the level of anger or anguish or frustration that they express can be a lot. Yeah, and it's like, bro, there's times, like, I have, especially, like, when my daughter was younger and her sleep schedule was really fucked up, I'd be like, listen, I'm, if she sleep at 7 o'clock, I'm sleep at 7.30, I cannot answer you right now. I, however, can answer you at 2 a.m. So if you're still up at 2 a.m., got you, got you, okay? But, like, so there has to be a level of understanding, and, like, not everybody's gonna be free when you're free, so, like, you... Just in general, you got to dead that. So when you're in a relationship, and we all have these, are there certain friendships that you have to distance yourself from? There, I think, I know, like, for me, um, I, there's been, I've had to, there's been people that have, they've been like, listen, like, you you make them, I don't want to say that I made them uncomfortable, but I think the the boyfriend was attracted to me, so it was like, so why you make it's him it's him dude so like but like to keep that 
you know, to keep that at bay. And I'm like, I, like there's nothing I can do about that. That's just like kind of shitty. So your friend would hold you accountable for your her her friend or her or, or him or them mm-hmm. there they would hold you accountable because their partner would find you attractive so what it was it more of not trusting them or not trusting you it was more of not it i would like to think it was more of not trusting them i but i mean i don't honestly trust them then why why would they did that, have that to was distance? the question that was the that was that's why this person is no longer my friend because that was the exact question i asked i think also another aspect is you know those people who really want you and are your friends because they're just yeah. waiting for that moment or that time and it happens with women too um who are just like i'm gonna just be your friend until it's time's right and that strikes, seems like and a they're lot gonna of see work. me in a way i also blame the movies I blame no, a lot matter of movies. fact, matter of fact, I blame fucking Lizzie McGuire. Matter of fact, even deeper than that, I blame motherfucking uh the song "The Tide Is High" by Vitamin C or whoever they fucking ripped that song off of. Talking about um the tide is high, so I'm holding on. I'm, I'm gonna be your gonna number be one. Your Fuck that! No, no. Why are we waiting this long? Why are you be waiting through tides? Why are you motherfucking drowning to be noticed? No. Kill yeah, it. Shit, damn, I didn't even... Kill I just it. thought it was like a happy, happy song. And now you think like, about their lyrics like... Bop left to right. I'm not the kind of girl who gives up just like that. No. I, you know what? Naughty is. Naughty is being like, listen, you don't fuck with me, you don't fuck with me. Yeah, and to everybody out there who might be in that, if you aren't being considered to be number one, then, you know, you shouldn't... It, it's hard, though. It, it, I guess everything... Um, you know, changes. Uh, one thing I do want to ask <laughs> is, at what point do the people you date or your exes, when can they be? When or can they be your friends? I think it de- it uh, depends on how the relationship ended. Like, if the relationship ended and like you are traumatized, or you're traumatized because of something that didn't happen within the relationship, then maybe. You can't be friends because you are holding, like you, not you're holding on, but like you have this trauma. Um, Or if it was like a really bad breakup, if the breakup was like, it was respectful or the breakup respected the kind of relationship you had, if it, you know, if it was um, mutual, then I think, yes, you can be friends. But there are some people who are out here being friends with their exes, even though like they are very hurt and mad with them. And it's like, they don't even know that you feel this way. They, they're thinking that y'all are homies and you out here fucking angry. Like, and thank you next, Ariana Grande had in her burn book that Big Sean could still get it. I'm assuming they're still friends because he was already married to Janae Aiko. So I'm like, hopefully that's a friendship thing. Yeah, um, I also think that, you know, depending on who you date, how it ended can help to determine, you know, if it ended on bad terms or, you know, obviously there's some people who are like, I would never want to see my ex again. Um, it's also funny if you never realized that you ended on bad terms and you're like, oh, oh yeah, that's true. You, you think, mad at me? You think everything is all good. I did something wrong? And then all of a sudden you learn, like, they hate your ass. <laughs> and you're uh, like, oh, okay. Luckily, uh, I'm going to make a little confession here. Uh, my last major ex, we are still friends. I'm still happy. She is probably the best relationship I've been in. Mm -hmm. Um, So that really helps to, I know, I know. That really helps to uh, uh, really, you know, help to, we've established a uh, a friendship uh, from our relationship and it just played on even when we didn't 
date each other in that way. So when you have that type of foundation, it really helps the transition out of it. But even though you may have that foundation when you part, you can, you know, one person may have hostility, the other person may have hostility, and that can, when you're all not, when you're both not on the same page, you know, it could be really, really <laughs> sticky. Now, I make that confession, and then if she ever hears this, she's probably like, I fucking hate that motherfucker. Fuck like, him. It's all a joke. <laughs> that motherfucker wasn't shit. No, and I'm going to be real. I'm going to be real. My first uh, ex-boyfriend from high school, he put his hands on me. So, fuck him. That's it. That That's yeah. all I got to say. You could never be friends with somebody who physically has tried to harm you. Or, or emotionally has harmed mm-hmm. you. Just fuck, fuck them all the way. If they played in any form of your trauma, it's going to be really hard to see them. Yes, I'm not saying people don't grow, but it always can possibly take you back to that um, No, they, they can't grow enough. I'm sorry. So, because I'm, you never know. Like, it's... Anybody can hit you, and I don't think you should go into relationships thinking, oh, they might hurt me. But once they've done it, and no therapy, you're not, you have not grown enough for, me, for us to be friends. Yeah. And my other ex, I tried to be friendly with him. I really tried, but you know, it just didn't work out. He's just an asshole. So well, there's that's that argument that. that sometimes we ain't shit, but you know. I wish I could say more in another episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll save that for another episode. So last question I want to ask about friendship. Mm-hmm. So people you date, the people you have sex with, at what level can you determine if they will be your friend? It doesn't depend on how good the <laughs> sex was. I was, was going to say that. If, <laughs> if the sex was bad... You can't go back. That's it. You could have been best. You could have been besties. Besties oh, had sleepovers for years. You you know y'all could have even done that gross shit where you like put the put the knife and cut your hands and you, now your blood blood brothers or whatever. What are you talking about? I see it in the movies. White people do it. Over here. White people do it. I don't know. <laughs> cut each other like knife fighting. No, you never seen that in the movies where they cut. They do the prick and then they become best I friends. They did their thumbs and they put their whatever. You just, whatever. They become blood brothers. You see what I'm saying? So he said it was me. It's this nigga always There's trying to always trying to be right. Wait, but the anyways, way you said it was they cut their hand. They prick. They do this in the middle. Oh, there's no camera, so y'all couldn't see. But I said they prick their fucking palms. I just want to say, in the middle of her hand, she's making this incision in which they. I put my finger and twisted it. That maybe wasn't a fucking slash. Maybe, maybe that's it, okay. the steroids ever era '80s movies in which they did that. It was a Sandra Bullock movie. Oh, uh, all right. Well, you know, yeah, yeah, sisterhood in particular. Yeah, yeah, sisterhood. What? The yeah, oh. yeah, sister. That's not traveling pants, is it? No. Okay. Oh shit. They, they just wore pants. pants. They literally just wore the pants. There's the sisterhood of the traveling pants. Yes. Is that what it's called? Yes, with America Ferrera, and the girl from Gilmore Girls. America. And Blake Lively and somebody else. Blake so Lively sorry. was in it. Yeah. Wow. Wow, wow. And she slept with a, a soccer instructor. But we're, we're going yeah. back to topic. We're going right back on topic. Um, fuck. So, okay, you could have been besties. You could have been, been blood brothers. But if the sex was bad, they, you, I don't care if you knew them for 10 years. That's probably not your friend anymore. Because now it's awkward because you're like, 
it was you're like damn it was whack and every time you see them you're gonna have a sex flashback of how just how bad it was <laughs> but if the sex was good even if you don't want to have sex again it was good so you can be like you can have a conversation about it and then continue to be friends so are we uh, just now making a confession that a lot of the people who are probably listening to us like we used to be friends and we had <laughs> sex and now we don't talk anymore are we basically letting them know that we're not friends because they're just bad in bed I mean, I think so. Now you know. Sorry. If I mean, I mean, if we're not friends and you're still listening to this, thank you for the listen. Thank you for the stream. <laughs> Keep following. We appreciate you. But sorry. Uh, now you know. Well, the more and if you, you ask know. me about it, I'm, I might lie. So I'm gonna be like, no, no. Oh, we lie. just fell out of touch. Yeah. Oh fuck! I done told now, my lie. Now some of us we story. did tell a lie. <laughs> I mean, sorry. Some of us we have fall out, fallen out of touch. Some of us got into relationships, and you know. Things have changed and, and all of that. But we want to end it on that. And we want you to think about, and honestly, mm -hmm. are you friends with your coworkers? Are you friends with your family? Are you friends with people you dated? Are you friends with your exes? Are you friends with people you had sex with? Yes or no? And then we want you to think about and, and make a determination on why do you think you're still friends with them? Um, our comment section has not opened yet, but it will be open soon. We really um, want to hear your feedback. There's um, always, uh, not on Spotify, but there's always Instagram. There is at oh. Naughty and the Teach, and there is at the Teach NYC. Actually, go fucking DM him and tell him to post a fucking picture. Um, sorry, that was. <laughs> there's some trauma behind that. I'm gonna get um, on And the... there's at Naughty Flower. That's me. I'm there. I'm posting. I'm live. Um, what I want to say. I fuck what he wants to say. No, I'm kidding. Damn, let me say what I want to say. Um, we're gonna put our Instagrams in the uh, description of mm -hmm. uh, this new episode. We're gonna start posting every Friday. We have some complications next week, so we may miss um, next week, but we're gonna do our best to try to fill it in. Every Friday morning, we're going to be posting our new episode, so look forward to that. It's a good way to get you started in a weekend about hearing us talk shit about topics. As we're growing the podcast, you're growing with us, and we greatly appreciate all the support, all the listen, all the feedback you have given us uh, this past week. Um, one thing I want to say is I thought I had a lot more friends, but as I asked people to listen to it and give me feedback, I've they gotten like, feedback. They were like, nah, he's bad like, in bed. I don't want to listen. <laughs> <laughs> But also think about this, like, it's okay for your coworkers to be your co-workers. It's okay for people who you know to be acquaintances, you know? They're in, they're in your circle, but they're on the outer rim, so to say, okay? And that is okay. Not everybody you know has to be a close friend. They can just be associates. Yeah. Homework so, from a podcast, I know. So, Just think uh, about it. So reach out to us, uh, harass the teach. Um, At 